0: Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of The Law and Finance Show, and today we have another great guest on. Now, when it comes down to you know developing a law firm, one of the things that a lot of lawyers talk about is not really having that much experience on the business side of running a law firm. Now, today we're gonna talk to a great guest that her firm, they do a lot with business law and bankruptcy, and we're gonna talk about you know what it's like in you know, helping her clients manage business aspects of how they run their business and what it is like for her managing her law firm and the business side of that. So stay tuned for today's guest. So without further ado, let me bring on our guest Kelly. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I happy am happy to be doing joining there. today.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. Now, Kelly, you and I we, we you know, we, we previously met um and talked kind of we were in the planning of, you know, bringing you as a guest on the show. Um so I learned a little bit about you and your background. So for those that don't know you yet, can you share a little bit about, you know, your background, where are you located? and kind of like where, what type of business or what type of law you practice?
1: Sure. Uh, My name is Kelly Roberts. Um, I work with my own firm, Roberts Law PLLC uh, here in Sarasota, Florida. Um, I represent um, businesses and provide general counsel as a service for smaller businesses that can't really afford to have their own in-house attorney. Um, I also provide dispute resolution and bankruptcy services for business owners, uh, consumers, and as well as those small businesses that you know, get themselves into trouble. Um, be In this virtual world that we find ourselves in, um, I have clients that span the entire state of Florida. And some of them have Florida businesses, but they are based in other states and sometimes other countries.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, I guess with, you know, I guess you say the, a lot of the sentiment from just, you know, whether it's, you know, business culture or whether it's tax law, have you seen a lot more businesses trying to move to Florida in the past several years?
1: Yes. And and I think it's, it's something where, A lot of folks that are moving from other states, such as California, Texas, and New York, I've seen an influx of those folks that are moving their lives here and in the process moving their businesses here. Um, So that's a lot of the work for uh, 2022 has been based on that, as well as um, Florida has done a really good job. I'm really active with the business law section here. Um, And we've done a really good job of codifying a lot of things that business owners usually find attractive about having their business be a Delaware entity. Well, now as a Florida entity, you can get a lot of those same benefits without the cost and um, just everything's a little bit more laborious in Delaware. So um, come to Florida.
0: (laughs) I love it. You know, since you bring that up, I wanted to ask about this because, you know, this is a question that, you know, different businesses often ask because they often see that a business is incorporated in, you know, Delaware. And one of the questions people ask me, and I guess they assume like, because I'm a CPA, I, I should know the answer to this um, about like, you know, why do businesses look to like incorporate in Delaware? If they have like no business dealing in Delaware. And and one of the things that I tell them, I was like, that's probably more of a legal question than a tax question. And I probably would not be the best person. Do you have any perspective on that?
1: Um, I would say most of the time business owners can't explain to you why they want to incorporate in (laughs) Delaware. Um, it's a little, I think, uh, a bit of branding, um, where it's kind of like the Louis Vuitton of, you know, you can't explain to me what exactly you like about that particular bag. You just know that, Others like it, so you must like it too. So um, a lot of the times when I have a client that's looking and asking those questions, when we get to the meat of, okay, what are your operations? Where are your operations? Um, What is your budget for, um, doing your corporate maintenance, as far as just the rudimentary things or legal process, um, if you're going to have your contracts be enforceable, you know, in Delaware and that's going to be the jurisdiction, then you're going to have to get an attorney in Delaware, even though you are not located there. And a lot of times, you know, since it is the Louis Vuitton of corporations, um, then you are going to get the Louis Vuitton price in attorney. So um, often when we kind of go through the the pros and cons, look, there's some business structures if you're looking for investors and to sell it off and it's something where you have a particular investor that has encouraged you to do that or someone who's giving a loan that's eventually going to turn into like equity stake and they want you to incorporate in Delaware, then it makes sense. If you're just kind of throwing it out there, most of the time it doesn't. Um, And if there ever becomes a need for you to become a Delaware entity for a particular purpose, then you can um, often with most entities move it to Delaware to have it become a Delaware entity when and if that Need ever arises, but if you're a closely held small business, um, then having you know keeping everything close to home to the extent you can um, will make things easier.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome, you know, and that's a really good point because I it's one of those things that I, I was talking to a business owner and they were telling me like, hey, I know a lot of businesses you know incorporate in Delaware, and I and I told them I was like, well, one of the things I think that that involves is. It says that if there is a dispute, it will be governed by Delaware law. And I was like, Well, do you even know if that's like in the best interest of your business? And they were like, Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, You should probably talk to a business lawyer or a business attorney to kind of understand that. <laughs>
1: Right. And a lot of these conversations, um, you know, when I'm, I do a lot of business transactional work um, and uh, it, an attorney at a, at a networking function actually found this comment very surprising. Um, I don't really, on an ongoing basis, I don't have business owners that don't have CPAs. It's a requirement that you have to have a cpa that you have access to because for those tax questions i'm not going to be able to answer that um and, and a lot of these questions aren't simple you know profit and loss you know basic math questions they're more strategic um and for the business transactional work that um that i do uh with that client that comes on if, you know, whether they're the seller or the buyer, and we're looking at, you know, how to structure that sale or how to structure the new entity and take ownership of that either stock or assets. I always start the kickoff with their CPA because the legal and accounting answer predominantly are not gonna be the same. So we need to kind of collaborate and figure out what is the legal answer what is the accounting answer and how do we make those work together um and really weigh the pros and cons as to how the client wants to do it cuz sometimes the client you know they they're telling you that they want to do it a particular way and it's and it's not necessarily based on what is customized for them but it's based on someone else's experience and businesses you know, are all different. They're as different as the people that operate them.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and I find that to be very true of like a, a, a lot of the advice that I see business owners following. It didn't necessarily come because they had a conversation with someone about their specific business. It is a, hey, I've seen so-and-so do this, or I've heard other businesses do this. And one of the things that I, I, I learned early on, and I told, I, I try to tell business owners is, the best advice is, is one is advice that is specific to you. Like, you know, general advice may be good, but it may not always be in your best interest because you don't know the details behind it. So, I mean, I, I think you're that is an amazing point. So, one of the questions I'm curious about is like as you start dealing with, you know, so many different business owners, whether it's transactions or just different business matters. Do you find that uh, a lot of your clients come ready to listen to the specific advice, or do they come with a lot of, you know, I guess you say assumptions or pre or misconceptions before they start working with you?
1: Uh, I think it's a little of both. It it depends on the client and really kind of their walk of life. Um you know, dealing with individuals so much, you know, a lot of my, you know, I'm talking to a business owner. I'm not necessarily talking to a board of directors most of the time, um, or it's family members or, you know, I kind of, clients require finesse to get them to, um, to listen sometimes. Uh, but I think it's just kind of going through and doing um, like the listening. Okay, this is what you want to do okay, well, tell me why, tell me why you wanna do that. And let me kind of walk through whether that makes sense or not. Um, I am definitely, my legal style is not, you're gonna do what I'm gonna say. Um, Ultimately, I think that what a business owner needs to learn from day one is business judgment because you and I, a CPA or an attorney, we're really just tools to help the business. We are a, a service provider. We are a, you know, a means to an end, but ultimately it's their business and their life I can give you the, the legal advice to not jump off the cliff. And I think it's a bad idea for X, Y, and Z, but ultimately it's your decision. Um, you know, I'm going to have the disclaimer, but, but so part of the exercise with those new clients and even existing clients that are looking to expand, um, you know, the business owners that are always looking to I guess, pivot, um, is just getting that business judgment ideas and things moving because ultimately it's not my decision what they do. I can give them information. I can give them pros and cons. I can, you know, take them to the CPA and require them to have a conversation, but ultimately, you know, they're going to make with their business judgment, The decision they want to make. So I think, you know, I try to do it more of a holistic approach, but everybody's different. I think that, you know, with a CPA or an attorney, you probably have the same you have to build that rapport and trust and kind of sometimes with clients, you have to break through the the M&M hard candy shell. Um, But, you know, I kind of warn clients at the beginning. I'm like, okay, you're coming in ready to make decisions. And then, you know, be advised, you're going to get addicted. You're not going to be able to make any decision without talking to me soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I absolutely love that. And and I mean, I, I totally agree. I think that You know, there are so many decisions that what I realized is that people don't understand, you know, the implications of certain decisions. So I'm glad that they have that relationship with you. Now, I want to take a step back. I mean, and, and, you know, for yourself, is what was it about, you know, bankruptcy and business law that attracted you to go that route as opposed to any other, you know, practice area?
1: So, um, my, uh, I'm originally from Arizona and, um, my father was an attorney for a long time. He did really contentious family law cases and despite his best efforts to talk me every way to Sunday to not be a lawyer, um, I decided to become a lawyer. And, um, but there was one thing that I knew, um, just coming into law school. I went and worked in Washington DC for a couple of years, then went to law school in Miami and um and then practiced there for just about a decade before I came over to this coast. I money law. It's all money. You know, there's emotions attached to it, but we're not talking about you know, heavy litigation that, you know, destruction of a family, things like that. For me, I always liked the, the you know, the problem solving and strategy and things like that, that went with more of those aspects. And I thought that in my view, from the experience that I had in, in, in just everything, is that you can make a bigger difference with a transaction. You can make a bigger difference helping a business grow, make a bigger difference in helping someone have a fresh start so that they're not just weighed down by debt forever and they feel like their life is over. This area of law, I felt like I could use the law to make the most difference in a positive way um, rather than more of the litigious side of the law that, seems in my mind to make just everybody miserable, including the attorney doing it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's something I'm learning more and more like, you know, our, our firm, we support bookkeeping and CFO services for law firms. And as I talk to more lawyers, one of the questions that, you know, I end up you know having with them is like, I know we're trying to forecast and we're trying to plan out, you know, what the financial future of this looks like. But I got to ask, like, how are you doing as a lawyer? Because the type of law you practice, it it does have an impact. And I find that those that are in family law, oftentimes they tell me, they're like, you know what, Terrell, sometimes this is a bit overwhelming. So I'm like, you know what, that's something I think more lawyers should probably think about, uh, as opposed to it may be lucrative. But It's like, if you don't think you can actually like handle the, the, I guess you say the emotional baggage that comes with the type of law you practice, I'm like, I'm starting to realize that is an important factor to consider.
1: Um, I love what I do and just in running my business and everything like that, um, I got some valuable advice from some other attorneys, you know, in doing the research on opening up my own firm and how to structure things. And one of the pieces of advice that I got um, was regarding screening the clients you take. And screening the clients and the matters that you take can have a big impact on just how your firm runs, your mental health, how you're able to allocate your work and be efficient. Um, And those pieces of advice that I'll share um, are stick to your wheelhouse, you know, don't feel like because right when you open the doors of your firm that you don't automatically have 15, 25 ongoing clients or matters going on at one time, that you have to take something that maybe you shouldn't, that, you know, you don't, is not in your bag of skills and you take it. And then when that ideal client comes, you're too busy to really give that matter the attention that it needs because you're too busy trying to learn this other thing for this case that you shouldn't have taken. Um, and the second piece was, you know, what clients you're not, you shouldn't take. It's like you have that gut, um tinge that tells you there's something about this case that you maybe don't know or something about this particular person where you know it's it's not a good match and um and i'm very that's that's why for me for most of my business clients a lot of attorneys in town um will charge for the first consultation for me i always want to do a hi how you doing initial just let's talk about what your needs are and what your business is to see if it's a good fit because if you personally or your business's needs don't match up with what i'm able to give you as far as attention and skills then you're going to affect the service and capability that i have in servicing my other clients and I don't want to take on a matter or a client that is going to negatively affect my ability to like sustain on a like equilibrium um, where I'm at my best. And also I don't want other clients to sacrifice because I took this matter that, you know, my my tummy told me I shouldn't. Um, so I've always kind of, that has been some advice that I got, and I really have tried to stick to in my practice that I think has served me very well.
0: Awesome. I love it. I know if people are interested in learning more about you, your firm, where should they look for you online or on social media?
1: um i have a linkedin page for the firm also for me personally um i share a lot of stuff that's going on either with the business law section in florida or just things that i see that are of interest to clients of that i have Or potential clients or other professionals that I work with. Um, I also have um, a website. Um, You're free to email me with any questions. I get a lot of emails and calls on how to, you know, how do I get started with starting my own law firm and what steps should I take? I'm happy to, if anyone wants to reach out and just get some general advice. Um, And I also um, have a firm Facebook page, um, but you can get in touch with me. I'm, I'm around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on today's show.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Keep up the good work.
0: <laughs> if you're looking for ideas on how to manage and grow a profitable law firm, this Facebook group is perfect for you because every week we are featuring conversations with successful lawyers and businesses related to law firms on tips, ideas, and technology that are helping many people grow and manage a profitable law firm. So if you're looking for great tips and ideas, you definitely want to click the link below so you can join the conversation and be part of the Law Firms and Finance Facebook group.